Hello, and welcome to The Canadian Story, where we discuss what Canada is, what Canada could be, and what Canada should be. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Canadian Story. Today, we are joined by Nathan Bulla. Nathan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. It is our pleasure. Um, so let's start it off the way we always start it off. Nathan, what do you love about Canada? Uh, probably that everywhere I've been in the world, people love me just for the fact that I'm from here. <laughs> and the fact that just a, a country that can allow me that, uh, you know, that bonus without even doing anything myself is... Uh, it just comes I kind of owe in. it. <laughs> yeah, I sort of owe the country, you know, indefinitely for that that alone, you know. And for well, I mean, there's a, a a story that Canadians love to tell about how Americans will put Canadian flags on their backpacks so that they'll get good reception around the world. I've seen it, and I've traveled with a lot of Americans to know that they'll just call us collectively Canadian if they can, or they'll let us talk, and we just say we're Canadian. Right. So no yeah, one even right. you know no we don't even walk down that path. So for the for the people who don't know, um, Nathan is an incredible drummer. He tours with a number of different bands. Um, do you know how many countries have you toured through? Do you have a number? Uh, I I don't have an accurate enough number, but it's like somewhere around the thirty mark. As uh, far as playing music, I'm in? so mad you beat me. I'm at like twenty seven something oh, yeah. like that. I've been to thirty six or seven or eight total. I can't remember. I I think I updated the list like, and then the world fell apart. So I've just you know lost care about things like that because I'm <laughs> not really going to add to the to the list. But um, yeah, somewhere in that mark, which is obviously very fortunate. <laughs> yeah, you're a lucky man. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your history, how you got into playing drums, who you play drums for, what you do. Give us the shtick. I mean, we got, what, four or five hours at least? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll still get the summary in at we, that We point. could have four or five hours. I'm not sure our listeners want to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever wanted to listen to that long of a podcast. So <laughs> It's a little long. Um, well, I mean, yeah, I play drums. I've been playing drums for almost 20 years because I'm reaching, uh, I'm hitting 32 at the end of this year. So, yeah, it's been almost 20 years. I was 12 when I started playing like on the drum kit, but I kind of always was going to play drums. Like my parents would catch me like banging on the toilet when I could crawl and like, you know, making a little kit out of pots and pans and shit like that. I did that too. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those things that's a staple, but you can always tell when a kid is is uh, exerting that kind of interest. But And my dad's a piano player, so it was really easy to just get influenced by um, tons of different styles of music. A lot of classic rock, a lot of like kind of fusion jazz stuff like Pat Metheny, John Schofield-esque Um in that world. So I was always, and Prague was always a thing, like Genesis and Yes and all those bands. So it was always easy for me to, uh, it was normal for me to hear things that were not necessarily top 40 on the radio. So I was always fascinated by how music could move in all these different directions and there didn't really seem to be rules. So I think that's kind of where it all began for me. And probably why I ended up going from a pop punk band to a prog metal band and then, like, you know, ex ex pretty much exclusively playing uh, progressive music and things that are, you know, a little bit outside of the norm or niche. Yeah. And never really felt like that was weird, I guess, because I've just, that's just normal to me, you know, mm -hmm. thanks to my, uh, my parents and my upbringing. So, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, 20 years of playing so far, and it's kind of always just one of those things where um, I, I'm a musician, not a drummer. 
I play drums. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I try totally. to I try to make sure that that sort of uh, you know just the, at the forefront because at the end of the day you are uh, you're always interacting with other people, regardless if it's students or other uh, musicians themselves and and band leaders and managers and things like that. So making sure that that's sort of the first thing that you're you're paying attention to and not just your role in a in a band, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It's always been uh, something I think I, I naturally got into just from growing up with my dad playing in a band and just seeing how everyone interacted and stuff, you know? Yeah. That's, that's really interesting because I think we often underestimate the impact that our upbringing has had on how we view the world. And I love how you bring that out. You're like, actually, it was my upbringing that got me here. I probably wouldn't have the same temperaments and idiosyncrasies. What do you, what would you say was like the number one thing that watching your dad, you know, have this camaraderie, like you probably got you ahead of someone who just got into a band later in life because you, you just, you'd watched it uh, play out in front of you. Right. Yeah. I think it was more just standardizing the whole thing. Like for me, uh, you know, I, I've been fortunate to teach a lot of different people and meet a lot of people almost like, um, not intimately, but like just as far as like really building a rapport with people and learning who they are. And I've seen how I had a friend, uh, sorry, an old student of mine that used to fix my car. And I always wondered what, like, where did you get into this stuff? And his dad does it. He just kind of always was around it. And there's elements of it where, you know, building muscle memory is like, you know, inherently a human thing. And as we go through life, whether or not we know it, we're always building different bits of muscle memory. So at least for me, it was like creating the, the, this, just the element of, of normalcy with something like playing in a band or just, you know, he played at the center of the square and one, which is in Kitchener, one of the bigger venues or one of just the more well-known. Yeah. Super amazing sound. Like, he did that when I was super young and that was crazy for them and him and everything. But to me, just at that age, that seemed like a normal thing. So that's what people my do. brain kind of, yeah, my brain just, it's sort just of, like, this is a thing that happens in life. <laughs> exactly. It leads you to that, to that. It's the, it's what's possible. You know, when you grow up on TV and you see like people on TV that inspires you to do certain things like, you know, play basketball or like any sport or play or um, be a speaker or be a reporter or things like that. When you see people early on that influence you, you can tell it's possible. And then yeah. from there it's you. Oh, and then on the flip side, it's like what you don't see, you don't understand or even think about, right? Like, like you and uh, there's this idea in Jungian philosophy about the chaos and order and the right side, left side of your brain, right? And your the right side of your brain is all about you know, dealing with the chaos and the left side of your brain is all about, well, in right-handed men, but it's different for left-handed men and different for women again. But I always found it interesting that um, we we tend towards the things that make us feel safe and familiar, right? Like whatever we're used to is where we go because, and so, but it's interesting how, you know, you were so familiar with music. And so it just, it became, it almost became destiny. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like the familiarity thing is that's, yeah, that's essentially what I was, I was sort of trying to, to pin a point on, uh, when I said the word normalcy, if familiarity is really more of, of, uh, of the point, because it's something that you feel comfortable with familiarity, unfamiliarity breeds discomfort, right? So just finding the antonym for that, you sort of, you just, yeah, you, you naturally geared towards the things that feel 
unweird or yeah. unstrange. I, I want, yeah, I want to, I want to go further on that point because Zach has indicated that you're pretty interested in details and mastery, and I love that concept, right, of mastering something. But do you think? So I'm a big believer in the idea that this actually becoming di- uncomfortable and 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 seeking discomfort is actually where growth occurs, and you. So you, so I think we're we're not uh, disagreeing with ourselves when we say that because even when you're familiar with something, unless you challenge yourself to points of discomfort in that familiarity, you will never achieve mastery. Absolutely. I mean, that's something I always battle with students with a lot, and myself, uh, as far as learning and and trying to get better at something because ultimately you're going to want to do the things that you enjoy doing. And when there's discomfort, like exactly in the same line, and when there's discomfort, you don't gravitate towards it as frequently, or it feels like more of a chore. And uh, I kind of always have tried to trick my brain and trick the brains of others into, you know, feeling comfortable or feeling like you're getting almost a reward out of it in a sense. And sometimes that may just be um, your own sense of continuity with it when you're continuing something and successfully repeating it over and over again sometimes that can emit some uh you know brain chemistry going on that makes you satisfied enough to continue and or maybe come back the next day but a lot of times it's like the the hardest things to practice are the ones that you know you almost want to find uh cheats around so that yeah you're yeah go into kind that of getting that better more. yeah you're kind of getting a bit better without having to like Again, feel like it's a chore, feel like you're really busting your own butt. Because ultimately, you got to remember that most things, I mean, I don't really know of many things in life that aren't uh, like zero to the top. You're always taking steps, right? So if you can view it as something that's like, well, you know, I'm not doing that much work, but I'm not not doing work. I'm doing something. And always making sure that you're doing something. So if that means like playing along to a song and just jamming a song because you love playing that song, not practicing at all, but putting yourself in a mental state where, okay, I'm going to make sure that I'm hitting everything consistently or my foot is playing, you know, extra hard or I'm playing extra quiet, for example, or just anything that you know that you have to move in the direction of to to uh to improve and with drums it's such a dynamic instrument there's so many things going on there's coordination there's uh, there's mental state there's dynamics there's listening i mean there's it's endless really and the question is always uh, how do we balance all those things and my answer is usually you don't you just tackle them one at a time until you start being able to kind of keep yourself in one place without you know falling over in one direction which i maybe that's more of like a personified thing but yeah you i think you follow kind of no i love that i love that i want to go into that further because i'm a big believer in two things i have this saying where i well one thing that zach and i say a lot is god is in the details like if you can't figure out the details of a thing you're never going to master a thing and I, i i use myself as an example i've been playing golf since i was eight and i'm terrible i'm awful i worked at a golf course for two years and to this day I'm not a good golfer. It was because whenever I went on the golf course, I just wanted to hit the ball, right? It was never, okay, now the backswing or how, how do you, you know, how do you, how am I going to use my body to, to facilitate better athleticism? And because I was so impatient because I wasn't interested in the details and this is, I've only ever been interested in the details of things I'm obsessed with, but when it's something that I enjoy, but I can't get into the details. And so I want to dig into further what you just said, right? Because you're, you're basically saying it's about, it's almost like 
once you figure out the little pieces of the puzzle, then they synergize together almost automatically. Like, it's not something you have to think. It's like, well, now I know how to do all the pieces and they just come together. Is that, would you agree that that's kind of the case or? Yeah, actually that, that brings up, you said an interesting word, you said it a few times because you were looking for different points of it. And it's something that I talk about a lot. I literally say this word all the time and it's something you, you hear. It's just a regular thing, everyday thing, but we don't think about it that much. How? How are you doing things? And a lot of people confuse that with what, what it is. Like what, what are these notes? What are these, the, the uh, what is the tempo or whatever? I mean, those things are important, but it doesn't get expressed in the way that you hear, the way that you hear it. If, if, if you listen to something and you're like, oh, that's great. And you want to learn how to do it. Learning what the person is doing is like, I don't know, 20, 30% of it. Yeah. It's such a small amount of it because it, how it gets emote, uh, how it gets like, um, uh, sort of magnified and, and expressed from that person is most of it. Um, and so that's and a lot of people forget a, that. A very individualistic thing. Like it's, a, it's a very personal, it's almost an expression. It's a creation. And you can't create exactly like that other person creates. You have to create in your own sense, or is it just a skill? Well, I think it's important to think about how you are developing a skill or how things are done if you're trying to develop a skill. Because uh, it's it's sort of like, you know, um, I think uh, this is probably a good example. Like you can pick up a saw or whatever and be like, this is the right saw for this job. But if you've never actually used it and you you're not given direction on how to use it, like you know, it could be catastrophic potentially. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so uh, true. So but true. it's one of those things where it's like we don't think about that because we just want to get it. We want to do it, especially now nowadays is much, uh, much more sort of everything happens immediately. So we get that instant gratification, and that's the hardest. That's exactly why I'm going to veer really quick back to the comfort thing. That's why I try to keep that in the game all the time because if you're sitting at home trying to do something, really tackling a how, like how am, are my wrists moving? How are my fingers? I'm obviously specifically talking about drums here. Um, then you are probably going to get bored really quick. It's probably not going to be exciting. Not the most thrilling portion of, of the journey. <laughs> yeah, and so you want to find ways to make it. It's almost like you have exciting. to trick yourself. I say that all the time. You got to trick your brain into thinking this is like this. Uh, something I, I often do is like move a pattern you're doing from your hands to a point where you're moving like once every rotation to the toms or something for the re left hand than the right hand. And this introduces a new element to it, which is melody, because usually we don't have to work on melody with drums. We're kind of just working through rhythms and toms are there to, to pepper the end or think, something like that, you know? But it doesn't end up creating the melody of the song unless you're George of the Jungle literally that might be the only song in the world that, <laughs> that uh, you know it follows the, the the melody of the toms um but it introduces that element of it so it turns your mundane sound that's going on in your head to and it has this kind of you you expect this sound to happen and that ends up fortifying your muscle memory and fortifying your excitement and enjoyment potentially over the this thing that doesn't just sound like a machine gun happening or whatever, you know, because those get monotonous sounds get boring quickly. So it, it's and, finding but, different and yet you have to go through the, that monotony to reach mastery. For sure. But 
this is where this is exactly the the tricking your your brain part because if you can find that sort of sense of it's almost like zen in a way I, I hate to use that word because I'm not really even sure how to define it but as just that that sense of calmness and like control like a flow state like a flow yeah. state I mean, yeah i mean yeah it becomes and, and, a, it becomes a meditation in, in a way and i honestly feel like you get there when you are driven to be like that's when your priority is like i don't care i'm getting way better at this instrument or this thing that's the kind of i mean you need that ultimately if you want to sit there and and do the mundane tasks and not really mind the monotony of it all but I think it's, yeah, for me, it's an interesting balance just because I get distracted by my phone. I get distracted by when someone calls and, you know, or like you see something on YouTube and like, it's so easy to pull yourself away from what's important that, you know, you just, you got to figure out ways to make it uh, almost enjoyable for yourself or, or distracting for yourself or it's the distraction. You know? Absolutely. Like I have this theory around, uh, well, this is most my problem is that I was always dreaming about the end result and never thinking that much about the process. Um, I'm sure you're and, not alone. <laughs> and, and that, well, what you're saying is such a cool reflection on, I guess, that revelation I had two years ago where I was like, oh my goodness, I'm always thinking about what's next and never doing, I'm never in the present. I'm never in the now. I'm not, even though I'm, you know, I'm doing cool things. It's always what's next. And the problem with that way of living is there is no future. There's only ever the now, right? And and if you're living your whole life, I want to be, let's say, let's take drums, for example. If you're living your whole life being, I want to be good at drums. Well, no, you want to play drums. And that, that can only ever happen now. It can't happen. It, 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 there is no future. The future doesn't exist, right? And, and, and I think that concept transform my life and i love that you're bringing it out in a whole nother facet of it right now to the listeners where you're where you're outlining like look you have to trick your brain into loving the now because the the brain often is just trying to project into the future always i really like the way you put that because that that brings a new sense of urgency to the moment and the moment is the only time that you can decide what to do with <laughs> yeah it's, it's funny you, exactly. you, it's very easy to pass off the importance of the moment for the idea of the future but if you eliminate the idea of the future all you have is the moment and you can drive all of that energy into the moment and it actually gets you to where you're trying to go in a more efficient way and i'm not and i'm not saying you shouldn't make plans and have dreams and like not, not there's this whole idea that oh we need to like let go of everything and just float around in the moment like that's bs but my point is <laughs> i feel like we i feel like the pendulum has swung too far to the other side where it's like we're not even caring about the even like i look at people who are like oh what what who are in university it's like well what am i going to do after university well, what am and and then the people who have jobs are like what am i going to do in retirement and it's like you're wishing your life away people like stop I think about that a lot. I mean, I'm a hockey fan and I, my, the team I cheer for always does that where, uh, you know, it's like, you were so busy worrying about, Oh crap, this guy's playing well, which means that he's going to be outpriced next year. They can't afford him next year. And that's not good. We want him, And we're like, not Who's enjoying right now. It's the Leafs. <laughs> I'm thankful that I don't have to punch you. It's right. Yeah, well, yeah, it's yeah. currently, yeah, it's the Zach Hyman thing. And he's actually one of my favorite players that it's, he's great. It's the, it's a big problem now. Everyone's freaking out about it. Cause he's playing so well. There's no way, yeah. he, you know, yeah. he can stick around unless he takes a discount. It's that mind. It's that mindset, but that's inherent as being a human, I think. And I think it's sort of the ones that you see, the people that you see are the most driven of just the ones that have taken that like 
introspective look and been like, okay, what what am I doing? <laughs> and when well, am yeah, I like, doing let's, it? Let's flesh this out because like you've become a very successful drummer. You've been to th- over 30 countries now playing. You, you're in a lot of bands. So how did you get from zero to one? Like, I guess we, we started off by saying, well, you became familiar with an idea and comfortable in it so that you could begin exploring it without fear of the unknown. But like, that isn't enough. Right. Like people, there's tons of people who are raised in things and then never do anything with their lives. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because I think there's just so many variables to that where, I mean, I could obviously attribute, um, you know, my, my parents not letting me have video games, knowing that I would just be glued to them all the time and kind of just letting me, you know, play whenever I'm just hanging out with friends and do whatever. But there's a level of like, understanding your child I think they took to the next level and I can't really appreciate that enough because I don't really even know what that's necessarily like uh no yeah, not having, yeah, not having kids enough. myself and whatnot um but the repetition side of things getting really great mentors in my life ahead of time or like early on having people that were very influential and <clears throat> also very helpful to me in explaining things and just kind of laying out the important stuff really early on. And this is actually, this goes back to the familiarity thing and, or the normal normalcy of it. Cause it's, it, it started out super early that it was a thing. And then as I started playing drums and getting interested in making it a potential career somehow, there were, endless people that were like well you know that's really hard like you're yeah, yeah, basically yeah, like, like good everyone luck everyone wants to be a rock star drummer exactly right? like and, no, and very few people make it and i think that helped a lot because it made me go oh so i can't be necessarily a rock star but i'm just looking to like be with the instrument at all times basically right, right that's sort right. of where my head was at and so the expectations kind of shifted and there were sort of new avenues that I could and even actually as time has gone on with the advent of uh, more like home recording with MIDI as MIDI drumming as a huge thing in the past especially the past few years getting more realistic sounding oh it's it's massive now it's it's like almost a staple like I feel like I don't really know anyone that sends me uh, a demo without already having programmed some kind of because it's free if you want it to be like if you just want whatever sounds it's totally free if you want really great sounds it's like it's 100 not bucks. even that much <laughs> a couple hundred bucks yeah like, it's honestly amazing but the the application of those midi drums are still um it's still much more beneficial if you have the mindset of a drummer Yes. To get the all to get yes. the most out of it, so I find myself doing work like that all the time when people just need their their stuff tweaked or. So they, you do you you do work just uh, programming drums for people uh, all the time. And, That's because, awesome, and, and that that started really because of my uh, my one band Aura's progressive metal band. There's a lot going on, and we used to write in the jam hall back like ten eleven years ago. We used to write in a jam hall, and they'd have to sit there those poor guys and go, but undone, but undone. But I'm done. Like do the same loop over again, over and over again. While I figured out how do I get my hands and feet to put this in order and like remember the pattern. And then at one point they were just like, "Why don't we record it and you can just play it?" And then we started kind of tinkering with programming drums so we could figure out, oh, what would it sound like if the snare went to here? And it just kept going. And then all of a sudden, our first three records were made from purely MIDI drums. So I actually went out and bought a electric drum kit 
before the first record to do this. So I wasn't having to having to program it all. You could play them but in. But I could play yeah, it naturally. You could play them because, in and then use all the MIDI sounds and exactly. have all of the benefit of moving, oh, what if I wanted this to be the 12-inch tom instead of the 10? And, and I do it yeah. to this day. I, I just did some stuff, uh, a bunch of different things this summer for all kinds of things. Like sometimes I get like simple stuff where I, I could just run in the other room and track live drums probably quicker than sit there and tweak all these little little things. But it's not necessarily... Uh, it's just a new avenue. It's it's an additional thing where people with this type of budget and this type of expectation of types of music, like progressive music that has different time signature changes all the time, like if they want to know they can change a little part three months later, which I'm literally, I have to, I have to get to a part today that I, of a thing I did two months ago. It's and amazing how much that happens, eh? Yeah, and it, well, it's it's added flexibility. Yeah, and people, yeah. some people like it. Some people don't really benefit from it because <laughs> it Some just people sits tinker there and tinker and tinker and exactly then tinker too far and make the song so worse. Th- there's <laughs> pros and cons overall, I'd say, but it's you know it's just a more of a distracting world that we live in in general. But that that's just opened up a new sort of um, avenue as far as like all my expertise coming into this sort of this funnel that I, I can use in different ways. I, I'd, I'd be ever, interested. I'd be interested, Zach, in hearing just like for three minutes about how you became a master of your craft like and, and then we could discuss that it uh so i've been i started recording when i was i think like 14 with garrett you remember garrett yeah yeah, yeah. Um, i remember going over there and you guys had that set up like we're talking like oh it's got to be like 2005 or 6 a long time ago um, that's when I. That's like a couple years before I started doing it myself a little bit. But yeah, you guys always had the whole like basement, like with like the the folded doors and oh, like yeah, partitions was, and stuff so going on sick. everywhere. Blankets. It was a great way to I spend my teens, man. Yeah. Um, and if someone wants to pay me enough, I'll send you the recordings. They're terrible, and you can laugh at me if you want dirt <laughs> on me. I will sell it to you. <laughs> I yeah, I'll corroborate that story. I, I, I still have I still have them, but. Um, so I've been recording for, you know, a while now, but I would say probably f- five or six years ago when I decided to take it seriously and it didn't happen all at once, but all of a sudden I realized like, okay, I want to do this for a living. I want to make money doing this. I want people to enjoy doing this with me. I want more people to come, which means I have to be better, right? So it's like, okay, I'm this good. I have to be better. And I just started ripping apart everything that I did. And, you know, you compare yourself to other people all the time. And it's like, okay, so I recorded this song in, you know, a rock genre. And then I compare it to a really good rock mix. And I'm like, why don't my songs sound like those songs? Or anywhere close. <laughs> or, or like even in the same planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And dude. you're like, maybe I should just quit now. But I didn't. And what, what all it came down to is I realized that if I wanted to be good enough to be able to sustain myself doing what I do, I had to, in in a huge way, level up my dedication and attention to all of the little details. Because it's easy to let things slide, but as soon as you let one thing slide, you can let another thing slide. And then it's not that, it's funny, it's not that you would even really listen back at the end of a production like that and go, this is terrible, but you wouldn't listen back to that production at the end of it and go, I am captivated by how amazing this is. Right, right. And so I want to go back to something you said earlier in the podcast. Uh, 
focus. You're like, I am look at my phone, I get distracted. But Zach, you've mentioned this. So like, maybe we should talk a little bit about the importance of focus and how it transforms that kind of dedication, like you described in focus, how it transforms you from someone who's interested in becoming good at something to someone who's becoming good at something. Yeah. Uh, I'll throw a couple statistics and this, uh, like, I'll, I'll be the first to call my myself out on my own shit. Like I'm, I don't have this down <laughs> by any means. Focus <laughs> is a tough thing. And we live in such a distracted world um, where it's like, man, if I'm sitting here at my computer doing something that I'm not the most thrilled with because there's like, I love what I do, but not every single portion of the job is the most fun thing I've ever done. Right. You know, it's work. It's so easy to just pick up your phone and like scroll Instagram or scroll Twitter and none of that time spent is productive time ever. Um, but here's a statistic for you. Um, it takes 18 minutes for hu- about 18 minutes for a human being to reach like we'll we'll say flow state, meaning like if you start working on a task, it takes 18 minutes to get to your most efficient workflow on that task. And you can sustain that for like including the 18 minutes an average of about 90 minutes and then your fo- your your ability starts to decline. So it's good at that 90 minute interval to take a short break, right? But here's the thing about the 18 minutes. If you spend 14 minutes on a task and then someone texts you and your phone goes off and you look at your phone and you respond to the text, you got to start that 18 minutes over, right? And yeah, this you is... Zeroed out. You, you zeroed it out. And... um this is, uh, I mean, I'm again, I'm, I'm as guilty as the next one. <laughs> I really am. But it's something to be aware of. Uh, and I notice on days, like if I come to the studio and I know that I have a lot to do and I have a huge list written out in my notebook and I'm like, oh, how am I going to get all this done? I'll sometimes like, I'll put my phone in a different room or I'll leave it upstairs or whatever. And then I'll look up after, you know, three or four hours and it's like, yeah. I'm like almost done. Yeah. And I never thought I would get through all <laughs> we of don't, this. We have no idea what we're capable of. It's, you know what it is? It's the game. Yes. As soon yes. as you think about the game, you've lost the game. Oh, it, I haven't thought about <laughs> the game in so long. <laughs> See, I don't, I don't, it's funny. I don't care about bringing it up because I, I already know I'm perpetually losing the game. I'm <laughs> always thinking about right. things right. like the game and how I'm thinking about things like the game. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's yeah, it's all it's almost meta at that point. It's like yeah, yeah it, things get a little bit too distracting, but it's being able to lose yourself in it. That's why it's such a it's such a voodoo term. But losing yourself in something that's what that means. Becoming completely like shut off to everything else and not caring if something else happens. Yeah. And there are times when that's easy because inspiration is in the moment and you are Mm -hmm. fully, fully immersed in it because like it's exciting. And then there's also times where you just have to tell yourself to do that because it's the right thing to do. Um, It doesn't always come easy. Nathan, I'd be interested if if you see that things the same way. Like what, what constitutes um, the difference between inspiration and grinding? Um, yeah, that was, that's a tough one because I mean, the grinding thing is list based for me where it's like, okay, I got, I know that there are some things that I'll benefit from. For me, I, there's an example where, um, like as a warm up, I basically am always warming up like double strokes on a surface that is not rebound helpful (laughs) at all so that I'm always working the maximum out of my hand in general. That is... I always like, (laughs) I know for a fact that if I do it 
between 20 and 30 minutes, I can reach like maybe not flow state, but as far as my muscles are concerned, that burnout, that full like potential, uh, full relaxation, like, you know, full, full throttle essentially. I know for a fact that I will get to that point, but I have to grind out those 20 and 20, 30 minutes because that is totally like a, ugh, sucks. But if I'm a little bit more kind of lenient with it and decide, okay, I'm going to just warm up not off the pad or not off the kit. I'm going to just go on the kit. I'm going to mess around for a little while, throwing on things like drumless tracks and like just music that's like totally jammy and has no real structure or anything to it. I'll sometimes work my hands quicker that way because I'm using them in a more dynamic, more sort of fluid way. I'm doing singles and doubles. I'm not just doing that list in a way. I'm I'm encountering things that I didn't really plan on encountering. So do you think the boredom you experience when you do your double strokes on a non-responsive uh, surface, do you think the the boredom that your brain experiences holds back your body from releasing like that relaxation? I think so. And I noticed that it happens quicker for me. I'm much more, I mean, I know this is a routine-based thing, but I'm much more, uh, like, I'm much more comfortable with a 10 to 15-minute sort of warm up if it's before a show if I'm on, on the road because I have the adrenaline of oh crap there are people out there looking at that stage and I'm about to be on that stage that's adrenaline inducing like mm-hmm. just that thought alone sometimes it comes more than others but um, that's one of those things that I will be more into that warm up but the doing it at home probably 20 to 30 minutes is longer than it needs to be because I'm keeping the podcast on while I'm doing it and I'm You're not fully committed. I'm not fully committed yeah, to it because yeah. it's a grind. And, right. And that's it's not that enjoyable. You're not you're like, I don't want to do this right now. That loops right back to the whole tricking yourself to make it enjoyable. And you know, I'll I'll change up the sticking. I'll make it once every few months I'll try to do a different grouping that I've never done before and never really thought to do. Or I do it like I do what I've I've been doing this whole time and just add one little thing. Just so it's like, okay, it's a whole new thing technically, but I'm so close the whole time because I've been doing this other thing. It, it's in my muscle memory like nonstop. So it's, I, I try to, I try to en- encapsulate that as much as possible when I'm learning other things, but it depends what you're doing. Um, <laughs> no, ab- absolutely. So do you still play every day? No, <laughs> no, no, no. And I don't pretend to, I, I, I feel it when I'm not playing consistently. But what I always try to do is, and this is my focus kind of shifted six, eight years ago on the recording side of things so I can be fully independent and Mm -hmm. then the pandemic happened, which is luckily I was already pretty prepared for the most part for that. Otherwise, I would have been a lot more hosed because I was purely gigging and stuff before doing any of the recording stuff. Um, But uh, I, I think as long as I'm learning on that front or something involved uh something that is something involving a task that will move me forward i'm okay with not playing drums even for weeks right because you're, you're, you're still working on uh a a more zoomed out version of your craft yeah and and a related task where <clears throat> i do realize that i should you know put my full focus into this as opposed to trying to okay i gotta get my hour in playing drums or whatever because like there is a level where I'm not gonna be certain people, and I'm not pretending like I'll ever be. I know that I, if I need to do real work, I can, you know, put my put my head down and 
grind it out and, and get it done. But again, with the promise of something or with the adrenaline moving me in that direction. But, to make but it that's more only po- that's only possible because you've already become the master of your craft. You have to get there before you can take a break. Yeah, and but I do think it's important to allow yourself to take a break in the sense of uh like being allowed to be re-inspired. I think there's an interesting side of of the monotony of things when you're like always grinding, you you can look at yourself. You can be people always compare themselves to other people. I always hear guitar players do like I'm better, this guitar player's better than this guy, and that's a, but it's sort of not like what does that guy do and what are his skills applying to Yeah, yeah. Like, like they're not if they're doing that, it's I always think this is a I love that point. And it's it comes down to hockey and it comes down to politics. It's it's the same 100%, everywhere. hundred percent. Like, that's the, the the armchair quarterback mentality, right? Where it's yeah. like, oh, let's talk about their skills and let's compare them and let's let's, you know, basically it's gossip, right? Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like let's go but 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 it's not actually an interest in the craft to the same degree, right? Because a true interest in the craft is Oh, this guy's really good at this, and this is how he does it. And and it interest in the craft is about ideas, right? So it's like I like the idea that he's presenting there, right? Mm-hmm. The the intellectual frame, and it's with drums, politics, uh, hockey. It's like I like how I like his theory of hockey. I like his theory of of playing the guitar. I like his way of approaching, uh, delivering policy points. Whatever the point is. When we get into that mindset, I think that tr- that transforms how we even view other people. Because I'm a big believer that uh, comparison is the thief of joy. As soon as you start comparing, joy is gone. It's impossible to truly be joyful and be comparing yourself to others. Yeah, uh, but there's a fine line between comparing uh, or or looking for things in, in comparison or looking for inspiration. And yes, yes, I, I was listening recently. I can't remember who it was. It was like a drummer on a podcast or something, and. He was saying how he recently got rid of all the he's unfollowed not unfollowed but like muted all the the sickest drummers on his Instagram feed because he's like I'm not like I'm looking at this going well can't do that can't do that can't do that <laughs> and then you're kind of just like well screw me like I'm pretty useless um, and instead changing that with like other things in his life like for I started doing that a little bit myself I still follow the sick drummers because I try to look at them uh, from the point of inspiration <clears throat> knowing yeah, that's that a really i love that distinction like i think and i think the listeners need to pay attention to that comparison and inspiration are two very different things but they can look similar yeah i don't have a lot of drummers that are doing what i similar to me i mean i have friends of mine i will never unfollow my friends because that's ridiculous but <laughs> but they're, and they're unfortunately a couple of them are heaters but uh <laughs> But, you know, you just kind of try to interact less so Instagram maybe doesn't put it in your uh, You try to, like, you know, change the algorithm. I'm not going to follow you, but I'm going to trick you know. the algorithm to but, not show me any of your yeah, stuff. Yeah, <laughs> but ultimately, ultimately, I try to, curate at, uh, try, try to curate it with people that are not like me at all or totally would be like a Benny Greb who's, like, right. I mean, uh, the greatest drummer in the world. But he's not playing the stuff where I have to, like, oh, I got to make sure I can play my stuff like that. Just... It makes me think about the drums in a different way when I see him play, which is important. But I've also thrown a whole bunch of different, you know, hockey related things and just also try to just keep people and family and friends and stuff in the in the mix. But I also don't open the app very much. So right. I think that's probably yeah, well, the, I mean, the that's best probably thing I've done. We, we, we all benefit yeah. from less Instagram, I think. 
I yeah. think so. Yeah, ever since I turned off my notifications on the front of my, I actually just got a bunch of icons on my phone that don't have the red badge. Can you turn off the little? Oh, you can turn. You off can the turn off yeah, badges yeah, yeah. like for individual have, apps for sure. I have all of the like sounds and banners that show up on your lock screen. They're all gone except like if you call me, I'll get that notification. But if you text me, if you email me. If you do anything other than call me, my phone literally doesn't make a noise. Yeah, and there's pros and cons to that. Like sometimes you get something and you're like, oh, if I got this email half an hour ago, I would have got this work. But this person was <laughs> like, I'm I have a, I'm in a pinch or you know, yeah, whatever yeah, the yeah. case is. But, uh, well, yeah, but you got to, I mean, your own uh, mental health has to be more important. And I think being stuck on your phone, unless like I use my phone for work all the time, I'm constantly uh, talking to people. And I think that's different than scrolling. But I think we have about two or three minutes left. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to just finalize is summarize. Can you summarize for us uh, what brought you the most joy out of mastering your craft? I mean, getting to put it like onto a stage, really. Like, I, I, and it continuously brings me that joy. I think that's sort of. I think that's sort of been the point the whole time. I don't really know the point of, you know, everything or anything necessarily because it's, you know, being a human is a totally weird thing. But <laughs> at the end of the so day... It's the weirdest I, thing I've tried. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Wouldn't recommend it, but... Uh, uh, yeah, and, and I think, yeah, I think it's sort of just... You always hear about the pursuit of happiness and whatnot. And when I was, I'm, I am a lucky, fortunate person to think to, to have understood that if I continue with this, at the very least, I will continue getting bursts of happiness every time I'm on that stage, even if it never uh, manifests itself anywhere else ever. But luckily, you know the the sort of um, I guess the the debris coming off of that sprinkles other bits of happiness everywhere and and I, I think I just kind of at least can think about you know if it all stopped today I did it I did what I sort of set out to do for the most part so that's cool ah, you know I love that I have I think I have that same mentality it's like well I, at least I did it my way yeah mm. like I'm I'm hell I'm way not done but <laughs> yeah oh no no no, no. <laughs> I'm hella not done I, no 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 I'm not done either but I'm saying it's like close you can be pretty happy with yourself when you look, if you look yourself in the mirror every day and say, yeah. well, I'm doing it the way that I wanted to do it. A hundred percent. I got to unfortunately run here, but thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I've loved having you uh, mastery. I, we should have you back to talk more about this because this is a topic that I think is incredibly underappreciated in modern society right now. Well, thanks, Nathan. I agree. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to The Canadian Story. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at The CAD Story. That's The C-A-D Story. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends and family. Let's work together to remind Canadians how great their country is.